2 Kings chapter 23. That's where we're going to be at this morning. With the youth group, we've been doing unsung heroes of the faith, okay? So that's basically uh, people of the faith or heroes of the faith who we don't talk about very often. And today we're on Josiah. We've done um, six, seven, eight of them already, and we're on Josiah today. So um, really quick, I just wanted to, you guys to look at 1 Corinthians 10, 11. It says, now these things happen to them as an example. They are written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. So this is our kind of theme verse for the, these studies. You guys are just getting one of the unsung heroes, but um, today we're talking about o- uh, Josiah. So 2 Kings chapter 23, we're going to start in verse 1. We're not going to read all 21 verses, um, but we're going to read probably 7 or 8, and then we're going to skip over, and I'll let you know when we do that. So 2 Kings chapter 23, and we'll start in verse 1. It says, Then the king, and this is talking about King Josiah, sent, and they were gathered to him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. He read in their hearing the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood on the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and his soul, And carry out the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people entered the covenant with him. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and Astra, and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of the Kidron, and he carried the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolaters and the priests, whom the king of Judah had appointed to burn incense in the high places in the city of Judah, and the surrounding areas of Jerusalem, and also those who burned incense to Baal, and the sun, and the moon, and the constellations, and all the hosts of heaven. And he brought out Ashra from the house of the Lord, and outside Jerusalem, in the brook of the Kidron, and he burned it in the brook of the Kidron, and then he ground it into dust, and threw the dust in, <clears throat> over the graves of the common people. All right, so then skip on, that's verse 6, skip on over, um, let's look at verse 15, okay? Basically what he does through these next verses is he keeps on destroying idols, and we're going to talk about it all. But I, um, I'm going to start in verse 15 here now. So 2 Kings 20, 15. It says, Furthermore, the altar was at Bethel at the high place, which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, had made. Even that altar on the high place, he broke it down. Then he demolished its stones to the ground and ground them into dust and burned the asterisk. Then when Josiah turned, he saw the graves that were there on the mountain, and he sent and took the bones from the graves and burned them on the altar and defiled it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God had proclaimed, who proclaimed these things. Then he said, What is the monument that I see? And the men of the city told him, It is the grave of the man of God who came from, to Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the Baal um, or, of Bethel. And he said, Let them alone. Let no one disturb his bones So they left his bones undisturbed, and the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. And Josiah also removed the houses of the high places, which were in the cities of Samaria, with the kings of Israel, making and provoking the Lord. And he did to them as he had done in Bethel. And all the priests of the high places who were there slaughtered on the altars and burned human bones on them, and he returned to Jerusalem. Then verse 21, the king, then the king commanded all the people, saying, Celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God. As it is written in the book of the covenant, surely such a Passover had not been celebrated since the days of the judges who had been judged in Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and all the kings of Judah. All right, so that was a lot of reading, but basically what's going on here, we're going to go over some context here first. 
Uh, what's going on here? King uh, Josiah is king of Judah. Okay, just so you, if you guys didn't know that, he's the king of Judah. And um, he's actually a good king. Okay, he's a good king. His grandfather was Manasseh. He was one of the worst kings. Okay, if you look at Second Chronicles and Second Kings, uh, just a couple chapters before this, you see Miss, uh, um, Manasseh. And he actually offers his son as a burnt offering okay, to a, a false god, Moloch. Okay, so he's a terrible king. Um, and then his father, Josiah's father, was also an evil king. Um, Manasseh, his grandfather, was a, actually a vassal of Assyria. Okay, so Assyria is in power right now. They're um, the strong people in Babylon. You guys have heard of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. They're about to come into power. Okay, cool thing about Josiah, he lived in a very unique time period in Judah's history where Assyria was falling and Babylon was coming up, but neither one was in power yet. Okay, so in my mind, I look at it as God kind of controlling history because Judah had peace. They had peace for this weird 30-year, like, flux. They had peace, and I think they had peace because of Josiah's righteousness, okay? And that's even said um, later on in the passage. But um, this peace is weird because Assyria should have been controlling Judah. They had been controlling Judah. They had had their thumb on Judah, and they didn't. They just were losing power. And Babylon should have taken over Judah already, but they hadn't yet. And so this 30-year period where Josiah's ruling is a really unique time, in uh, Judah's history. If you guys look at the context up there, Assyria's falling, Babylon's coming up. Josiah lived from 648 to 609 BC. He increased Judah's territory, which is very rare for somebody in um, this time period in the 600, 700s BC. And he began to seek God at 16, which is really important. He began to seek God when he was 16. He actually started ruling when he was eight years old. Uh, that's in 2 Kings 22, 1. It says Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Um, so when he was 16, it says in Second Chronicles that he started following God. And then when he was 20 years old, which is manhood in Israel, when he was allowed to actually take over the throne, he began to point Israel to God. And this is what this chapter that we just read is about. It's about him pointing Israel to God. And then eventually he died trying to stop <clears throat> Pharaoh Necro from helping the Assyrians. Okay, so that's all context. Okay, that's all a little bit of context. This passage, like I said, it's him purifying Israel. And today we're going to be talking about temptation and sin. Okay, because the Judah, okay, their temptation and their sin was idolatry. Okay, they kept falling after false gods. Okay, and you may not have a, a statue of a false god in your house um, or in your garage or anything, but we all are tempted. Okay, every single one of us are tempted. Um, there's actually this guy, he says, How come opportunity only knocks once, but temptation beats at my door every day? Okay, I feel with that guy, okay? I'm tempted all the time, okay? And if you are out there and you're saying, I'm never tempted, I, you're probably lying or you're not seeing the temptation or something, I don't know, okay? <clears throat> Even Jesus was tempted, right? When he went out into the wilderness, okay, he was tempted. He prepared spiritually for that temptation. We're going to look at how Josiah deals with temptation um, and sin in his life, okay? So everybody's tempted. We're going to look at the example of Josiah and say, how can we emulate Josiah in our lives, okay? Because that's what the Bible, that's what these Old Testament characters, a lot of it is for, is for us to look at them and say, hey, we need to be like that or not be like that. So we're going to look at Josiah. So the first thing we're going to look at today, okay, Josiah looked at God's word regarding temptation. This is verses 1 through 3. So if you go back and you look at 2 Kings 23, and you look at verse 1, it says, the king sent and then they gathered the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in there hearing the words of the book of the covenant, which is found in the house of the Lord. Now if you go back to chapter 22, 
okay, which we don't have time to do, you'll, you'll see that Hilkiah the priest found these books in the temple, and when they were you know, cleaning stuff out or whatever, they, they found these books that are like, hey, Josiah, I think these are the books of the law. And uh, what they think it is actually is Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy. Okay, that's what they think they found. So Hilkiah finds the book of Deuteronomy, and he reads it to Josiah. Josiah's like, read this to me. If this is God's word, I need to hear it. So in chapter 22, Hilkiah and the scribes, they read it to Josiah. And then here in 23, Josiah's like, hey, if this is God's word, it's important enough that I need to read it to everyone. Okay, I need to read it to everyone. Okay, and that's the first point. As we look at Josiah looking at God's word, he read the Bible. Okay, and he read it to everyone. He read it to himself. He had it read to him. And then he had it read to the entire uh, nation of Judah, or the uh, territory of Judah, I guess it would be. Okay, but he read the Bible. And we need to read the Bible as well. Okay, because in the Bible we find how we are supposed to deal with temptation. Okay, for example, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? No temptation has come to you that's not common to man. Okay, but how do you deal with that temptation? It says that God's going to provide a way of escape for you. Right, so there's things in God's word that help us in regards to temptation. In fact, if we don't read God's word, how do we know what temptation is? How do we know what's wrong? How do we know what's right? All right, so we need to be in God's word. We need to read God's word. And reading God's word was obviously important to Josiah because he had it read to him, and then he read it to his entire nation. And he said, this is what is important. So he read the Bible. Here's a couple of stats for you. 18% of professing Christians read their Bible every day. Okay, so only 18%. And even um, more staggering than that, I think, is 23% of professing Christians say that they never read their Bible. They never read their Bible. Okay, that's mind-blowing in a way. Okay, we, we should be reading our Bibles. We should be reading the Word of God. So if we have temptation in our life, which we do, then we should be reading our Bible in order to understand what, where that temptation is going to come from and then also understand how we can deal with that temptation. Okay, but another thing that Josiah did okay, in regards to looking at God's Word is he got accountability. Look at verse 3. Okay, it says, The king stood by the pillar, and he made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, all his soul, and to carry out the words of the covenant that was written in this book. And all the people entered the covenant with him. Okay, so he looks into God's word, and he sees it, and then he makes a covenant according to God's word and says, I'm going to keep it. Okay, for us, we all need to be accountable. Okay, I don't know if you guys um, have an accountability partner or somebody that you guys... Um, have that holds you accountable, okay, in regards to following God, in regards to keeping up with your Bible studies and prayers and stuff like that, and in regards to temptation, but you should, okay? Now, he's the king of Judah, and I don't know about you, but if I was the king of Judah, I wouldn't want to get up in front of all my people and be like, hey, I'm making a covenant to follow this book, and then read the book, and be like, here's the book, this is what it says, this is what God's saying, and I'm going to do it, okay? That's some serious accountability, okay? Thankfully, none of us are kings, um, I don't think any of you guys are kings. Maybe you guys are. But um, none of us are kings, so we don't have to have that strict of an accountability, that insane amount of accountability. But we should put accountability on ourselves in regards to God's word. Because when we see God's word, okay, and we're like, hey, we see this temptation in the God's word. We know it's going to come. We know we can overcome it. We see these things about this particular sin, which in Josiah's case was idolatry. And then we're like, oh, we're going to try and do better about that. And we just try and do it on our own. What happens? A lot of times we fail, right? A lot of times we fail, and a lot of times we need accountability. In fact, I would argue all the time we need accountability. So if we don't have somebody that's holding us accountable, we need to be like Josiah and be like, hey, will you hold me accountable? Hey, will you hold me accountable? Go talk to somebody. Go talk to your, one of your friends. Get them to hold you accountable according to the word of God. 
okay, because that's what Josiah did. So he read his Bible, he got accountability. Finally, he had an inward change, and his change was from the inside out. So this, again, is in verse 3. If you look at it, he says, his statutes with all his heart and his soul. Okay, so he, he said he's going to carry out his statutes with all his heart and all his soul. And this word heart and soul, the word heart just means inner man or your mind. The word soul there is like your living self. Basically what it's saying is his change was a real change. Okay, because there's been a lot of kings in the past in Israel's history who have said they're going to change and haven't changed or have tried to change and haven't really done it. They've been like, oh yeah, I'm going to change. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to look good because I know that's what I'm supposed to do as a king. But it was an outward change. They were just changing to look good. Okay, and if we're going to actually look at God's word regarding temptation, we're actually going to do what God's word says. We need to have an inward change, a change from the inside out. Okay, that's what we should be doing. That's what Josiah did. And I think that's why it says his heart and his soul. Okay, so he looked at God's word regarding temptation. We need to be looking at God's word in regards to temptation. Okay, the second thing that he did, Josiah got rid of temptation. He got rid of temptation or he fled temptation. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 14, right after 10, 13, where it says there's no temptation um, that's come to you that's not common unto man. 10, 14 says right after that, therefore flee idolatry. Okay, therefore, get rid of temptation. Therefore, flee it. Run away from it. Okay, it makes me think about Joseph. You guys know Joseph. He's a hero of the faith. He's not unsung at all. Um, but him and Potiphar's wife, all right? Potiphar's wife coming in, tempting him, tempting him, tempting him. Finally, what do you have to do? He had to run away. He had to flee temptation. Okay, and in the same way, we either need to flee or get rid of temptation, okay, depending on what kind of temptation it is. So Josiah does this, and this is verses 4 through verse 21. And we didn't read all this just because of time's sake. But literally, uh, 4 through 21 is him going through and purifying the land. It's getting rid of idols. It's getting rid of everything that has anything to do with idolatry, which is the sin that we're talking about because that's a sin that he was struggling with and the, and the Judah was struggling with. Okay, so three ways that he got rid of his temptation. The first way is physical temptation. Okay, he got rid of physical temptation. So look at verse 4. This is interesting. It says, Then the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers, to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and Asherah. Okay, so Baal and Asherah were the idols, uh, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. So we'll talk about what those were. But those were the idols that they were actually worshiping. But in verse 4, he says, hey, bring out all the vessels of Baal and Asherah. And then if you keep going in verse 4, and for all the hosts of heavens, and he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kindron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Okay, so what's he doing here? Why is he taking these vessels out? These vessels are, are things that remind the people of Israel of idols. Okay, they're not the actual idols. They're not the actual object of sin. They're not the actual object of temptation. They're just little things in their life. You could call them stumbling blocks. They're little things in Judah's life, the nation of Judah, their life that are causing them to remember Baal or remember Asherah, the false gods. Okay, and, and Josiah's saying, I'm going to get rid of everything that's even remotely close to the sin of idolatry. Okay, for an example, um, when you're a little kid, okay, and your mom's like, hey, go clean your room, and you get distracted by video games or whatever that distraction is, the cookie jar, I don't know, whatever you got distracted by. Okay, that, that video game or that cookie or whatever, it's not, it's not sin, but it's something that's distracting you from doing what you're supposed to be doing. Okay, and Josiah sees that. He says, hey, I don't need to just get rid of the idols, which he does in a little bit, and we'll look at it. I need to get rid of everything even tempting or making these people stumble. And in our lives, 
We need to do that too. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Okay, we're not just to get rid of sin in our life. We're not just to get rid of temptation in our life. We're to get rid of things that cause us to sin. If your hand causes you sin, cut it off, right? And so in our lives, if we want to deal with temptation in the right way, we don't need to just get rid of the object that's tempting us. We need to get rid of maybe the place. that tempt- Maybe we need to flee the place that tempts us. Maybe we need to get rid of the thing that reminds us of the sin that we do that causes us to sin, right? I don't know what that sin is for each and every single one of you, but I know what mine is. You know what I'm saying? We've got to get rid of the physical temptation, the, the small things of temptation that aren't actually the object of the temptation. Okay? I think I have Hebrews 12, 1 2. Yeah. So lay aside every weight and every sin, not just sin, weight as well. And then we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Okay? So first, he got rid of the physical things of, about surrounding temptation, the physical things of temptation. Then he got rid of the people that tempted him. He got rid of the people that tempted him. Now, the way that he got rid of the people that tempted him was he killed them all, okay? So I don't think you guys are going to go around killing all the people that tempt you, okay? At least I hope you're not. Uh, but one note on that before we move on is that he was the king of Judah, and according to the law of God, he was the, he was the government, and those people, their punishment, their just punishment was death, okay? That's what he was supposed to do. Um, so uh, it's not like he was doing anything wrong there. That's just a, a note. That's a bonus for you. But look at verse 5. Okay, look at verse 5. It says, He did away with the idolater, or idolatrous priests whom the king of Judah had appointed to burn incense in the high places. Okay, the high places were places where they worshipped Ashtoreth, by the way. Um, so he got rid of those people. And then look at verse 7. It says, He broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes, which were in the house of the Lord, where the women were weaving hangings for Ashtoreth. And he brought down all the priests of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. And he broke down the high places, the gates. Okay, and then if you go all the way over to 24, okay, it says, Moreover, Josiah removed the mediums, the spiritists, the temptress, the, uh, the idols, and all the abominations that were seen. So he's, what he's doing in these verses, he's getting rid of the people that were leading Judah astray. He's getting rid of the people that are leading Judah astray. Now, Proverbs 1 has a very good, um, when Solomon's talking to Proverbs 1, he has a very good way of putting it, but he's basically saying, don't hang out with sinners. Okay, so if you look at Proverbs 1, I think it's 3 through 9, he's like, hey, don't fall in with these sinners and begin sinning like them. Okay, so when I was a little kid, okay, my grandpa had a dump truck just like this right here. Okay, uh, or pretty close to it. So I was, I was really little, okay, and I had a BB gun, and my little cousin had a BB gun. And his name was Cody, and I think I tell a story about Cody all the time because he was getting me in trouble all the time. But he had a BB gun, and I had a BB gun. We're shooting like the tailgate right there, and um, it was just making like a dinging sound, you know, ding, ding, every time we hit it. So we loved it, of course. Um, and it, it wasn't a big deal, okay, because it was the big, heavy, you know, iron side of the dump truck. And eventually, my little cousin, I guess he got bored with that, so he started shooting at the window of the dump truck. And he's, he kept saying, dude, Hunter, look, I'm hitting the window. And he'd like shoot it and then go, dang. I'm like, dude, no, you're not. You're, you're missing the window. If you hit the window, it would break. And he's like, no, I'm not. Look. And he'd just keep doing it, keep doing it. Finally, he was like, well, if you think that I'm not hitting the window, then you shoot the window. So I was like, you know, I'm like eight years old. I'm like, okay, I'll shoot the window. I'll show you. So I shot the window and it broke. Okay. I don't know if he was hitting the window or not, but when I hit it, it broke. Okay. I got in trouble. 
Um, but the reason I share that story is because we are influenced by the people that we hang out with. Okay, we are. And a lot of times we say, well, you know, when you're a kid, you're, you're really influenced by the people you're around. But really, adult, as adults, we're, hang, or we're influenced by the people that we hang out with. Uh, there's a quote uh, by this guy, Reed Hoffman. He says, the fastest way to change yourself is to start hanging out with people who are already the way that you want to be. Okay, and that's so true. If we start hanging out with people who are already the way we want to be, that's who we can turn into. Same way, same thing goes for people who are not the way we want to be. In fact, it's very easy for people to influence us to sin because we are natural sinners. Okay, and I was talking to my dad about this um, the other day, and he was saying, you know what? One thing that I see is it, that's big in regards to this is social media. Okay, because we say, yeah, face to face, we hang out with certain people, we hang out with good people, but really. Who do we hang out with the most anymore? It's probably people online, okay? Because that's just the world we live in. That's fine. But if JB was to take, you know, your your iPhone or whatever, your, or you people that have Samsungs, I'm sorry, but if you'd take those and you'd look at it and you'd say, "Oh, I'm going to look at all your friends on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or you know whatever, Musically, I don't even know all these things." If you're going to look, if it, JB would take your phone and and look at that, would you be like, "Oh yeah, no problem," like? Or would you be like, well, I don't know, like, I, I kind of want to keep that to myself. You know, I don't, I don't really know if I'd really want him to look at all the people that I'm hanging out with on social media, okay? Because if you think that people on social media are not influencing you to think a certain way, you're wrong, okay? They are, okay? Because it's, it's just like Solomon says in, in Proverbs 1, okay? So, we need to be sharpened, Proverbs 27, uh, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We should be going back to the accountability thing, holding each other accountable, sharpening one another, pushing each other towards Christ, and that's the people that we should be hanging out with. Okay, Iron sharpens iron, I read a commentary on that verse, and the guy's like, it goes two ways. Okay, It's positive and it's negative, meaning that iron sharpens iron, so we should push each other towards Christ, because iron sharpens iron, but also if you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, or you're hanging out with people that are don't have their eyes fixed on Christ, then they're going to be sharpening you in a negative way. Okay, so Josiah got rid of the people that tempted him. We need to do the same thing. Oh, one more. There we go. All right, Josiah got rid of the piece of temptation. This is the final one um, for getting rid of temptation. He got rid of the actual object of temptation. So if you go back and you look at verse uh, 6, I think. Yeah, verse 6. He said, He brought out the asterisk from the house of the Lord, outside Jerusalem, the brook of Kidron, and burned it at the brook of Kidron, and ground it into dust, and threw the dust in the graves of the common people. So basically, what he's doing here is he's literally taking the idols, which were the sin, they were the objects of sin, and he's taking them out, and he's literally destroying them, turning them into dust, and throwing them into the river. Okay, that's what he's doing. Okay, this is the object of Judah's temptation. They were tempted to follow after false gods, and Ashtoreth and Baal were two false gods. Ashtoreth, she was the goddess of the sea, um, from Philistine or from other places around that area. Uh, she was pretty popular. And then Baal was also very popular. Okay, he was the god of fertility. So like the god that made the fields go, grow or the rain god. Um, that's what I always think of because it's easier. Um, so these were two gods that were prominent gods that Judah had been following and who Josiah's grandfather and father had been teaching Israel to follow. Okay, they said, don't follow the god that brought you out of uh, that brought you out of Egypt. Instead, follow Baal and follow Ashtoreth. Okay, and Josiah, he says, no, I'm going to get rid of this temptation. 
okay, I'm going to get rid of these um, things of temptation. So this is like alcohol to the alcoholic, okay? This is like porn to the addict or meth to the meth head, okay? I'm using extreme examples, but all of us are tempted, okay? And all of us have things of temptation that, you know, may not be the extreme, but we all have things of temptation that we need to get out of our life, okay? And maybe you don't have anything immediately right now that you need to get out of your life that you're being tempted with or whatever, but at times in our life, we're all, we're all tempted, okay? And so when we're tempted, we need to get rid of the actual piece of temptation, the actual idol, okay, in this case, that brought about the idolatry, okay? So we need to get rid of temptation. That's the second thing. Josiah, the first thing he did is he looked at God's word in regards to temptation, then he got rid of the temptation. He got it out of his life, He's like, I don't want this anymore. But that's not all that he did. The final thing that he did was that he followed God. Okay, and this is the most important part. Okay, it's the classic fill up your bucket illustration. So if you, if you guys put a bucket out in a rainstorm, I, I think this is told several different ways, but if you put a bucket out in a rainstorm, it's going to fill up with rain, right? So then what we do as Christians a lot of time in the illustration is we go and we take the bucket and we throw out all the water and we set it back down. And what's going to happen? It's still raining, so what's going to happen? It's going to fill back up with water, right? Okay, so if the water is the sin or the temptation, if we put our bucket out and we just keep dumping it out and we don't fill it back up with anything, it's just going to keep filling back up. So if Josiah just gets rid of all these idolaters, which other kings in the past have done, but he doesn't start following God, they're just going to go right back to their sin. Okay, so I always tell the kids, fill it up with cement. Fill your bucket up with cement because then no water is going to get into it, and that's what Josiah does. Okay, he fills up the bucket with cement in the illustration because he follows God. And this is really where it all starts, and we're going to come back to that in a second. Okay, but the first thing he does when he's following God is he promotes um, godliness. Okay, Josiah promotes godliness. So look at, um, we already read 15 through 19, so look at verse 17. Okay, it's talking about the man of God, and then Josiah asks, what is this monument that I see? And the men of the city told him, It is the grave of the man of God who came to Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, Let them alone. Let no one disturb his bones. Okay, so what's going on here is literally Josiah's going around and all the priests of like Baal and Ashtoreth and all these false gods, all these priests and stuff, they have monuments, they have graves and stuff. And basically what he's doing is going around decimating all their graves. He's like going around, he's like, destroying everything. And when he's going around destroying all these graves, he sees this monument. And he's like, this one looks a little different. What is this? And actually, 290 years later, if you guys are into prophecy at all, 290 years later, in 1 Kings chapter 13, there was a guy named the man of God. We don't actually know his name, but we talked about him in youth. Okay, The man of God, and he proclaimed to King Ahab that there would be a king that would come and destroy all the idols. And Josiah is fulfilling that prophecy right now. Okay, in this passage. And so, anyway, that was, a, that was a great man of God. Okay, he followed after God. And so what Josiah is saying here is he's saying, hey, I'm desecrating all these things, but he's like, hey, I want it to be known in Judah that those who follow God are right. Those who follow God, he's, he's exalting this, this guy. Okay, as a man after God's own heart, a guy that follows God. So he's promoting the godliness rather than the ungodliness. Okay, do we in our lives promote godliness? Do people look at us and say, yeah, that's a man after God's own heart. Yeah, that's a woman after God's own heart. Yeah, that person's going to stick to the Bible no matter what. Okay, do, are we men and women that promote godliness everywhere we go? Okay, Josiah wanted it to be known in Judah. He's like, 
in Judah, it's going to be known that godliness, okay, following after God is what is right, and that is what I am about, and everybody that does that, I'm going to promote it, okay? So he promoted godliness. We need to promote godliness as well. Okay, the next thing he did was he obeyed. Simple but hard, right? Simple but hard, okay? He obeyed. How did he obey? He saw the word of God, and he obeyed. He saw the command um, of the Passover. He saw the command of God to take over, um, or sorry, take out all the idols and burn them, and he did it. Okay, so look at verse 21, because this is a very specific command that he obeys. Okay, verse 21, it says, Then the king commanded all the people, saying, Celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God, as is written in the book of the covenant, okay, or the book of Deuteronomy, where he found it. Surely such a Passover has not been celebrated in the days of the judges who judge Israel, nor all the days of the king of Israel and of Judah. So what does he do here? He sees in the book of the law, he sees in God's word something, and he obeys it. Okay, it's very simple, but we don't do it very often, and we don't do it as much as we should for sure. So we need to take an example from him, and we need to obey. We look at, well, when you think about that, um, a Passover hadn't been celebrated since the days of the judges. Okay, that's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. That's like, that's before King David. That's before King Saul. That's before Samuel. That's before, you know, um, that's like right at Joshua's time. That's how long it had been since they had followed God's word in regards to this command of celebrating the Passover. Okay, that's one of the reasons why we know Josiah was such a great king, because he didn't do anything halfway. He's everything he saw in the book of the word of law or the book of Deuteronomy, he obeyed it. When he saw it, he obeyed it. And we need to be people like that. We need to obey. As soon as we see something in the word of God, the Holy Spirit convicts us. We say, okay, I, I need to do that. I need to follow God in that way. I need to obey him. So, he promoted godliness, he obeyed God, and finally he sought God. Okay, flip over to chapter 22, verse 13. 22, it should be like, you know, in my Bible, one page over. We'll look at verse 13. Um, this is Josiah, and he says, Go inquire of the Lord for me and all the people of Judah. And I just want you to see that he's inquiring of the Lord there. Okay, this is when he's 20 years old, and he's starting to um, purify the land. Okay, then if you go to Second Chronicles. 34.3, we're not going to turn there because we don't have time, but it says that when, Ju- uh, when Josiah was 16 years old, he began to seek the Lord. And then it says when he became of age, which is 20, he began to basically promote uh, God in Israel. Okay, so the best way that I know of to overcome temptations is to be best friends with Jesus or abide in Christ or walk in the Spirit. Okay, this is, what, this is where it all started for Josiah. The reason that he looked at God's word in regards to temptation, the reason that he got rid of temptation, the reason that he obeyed God, it was all because he was seeking God. And that's the whole reason. That's the whole reason he did any of this stuff is because he sought God. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Hey, that's what Josiah is doing. He's drawing near to God. He's coming close to God. He's seeking God. And as a result of that, he looks at God's word in regards to temptation, he gets rid of temptation, and he follows God. Okay, so my challenge to to all of us is to seek God, because that's where it all started for him. And that's where it all starts for us. If we're not seeking God, and we're trying to get rid of temptation, it's not going to work very well. Okay? So what's the, we always say, what's the impact? I know usually it says applications down there, but... 
We always say, what's the impact? That's the name of our youth group, impact. Okay, so first off, we need to read the Bible to see the temptation, to understand the temptation. Okay, secondly, we need to get rid of or flee the temptation. Okay, and then finally, this is only done when you seek God. Okay, I can't stress this enough. We need to draw near to God. Okay, and I got James 4, 8 as the last thing here before we leave because it's really important. Okay, draw near to God and he's going to draw near to you. How do we draw near to God? Okay, how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Because that's what Hebrews says. Hebrews uh, 12, right after 1 and 2, where it says, lay off every weight and sin, which clings so closely. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. It says, look at Jesus. Okay, and, why, and I think uh, I think Brian's going to be talking about this this morning. But anyway, you get it twice. But uh, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Okay, so in, in regards to temptation specifically, if we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, what, is, what does all that temptation around us do? You can't really see it because we're focused on Christ, right? Okay, so we need to draw near to Christ, and he'll draw near to us, fix our eyes on him, and that's how we're going to deal with temptation. Okay, and when we start doing that, then we can start looking at, okay, what do I need to get rid of? What do I need to lay aside in my life? Okay, and, we, and a quick note, I know I said I was done, and I just keep going on, but um, a quick note on that. I mean, one thing that I've been learning is that the best way that I, the reason that I do spiritual disciplines is to draw near to God. You know, a lot of times we, we pray and we read and we do all these things like that, spiritual disciplines. We do all these things because, like, we feel like we should or we feel like it makes us godly or we need to check a box or we need to, you know, there's tons of reasons why we do it. But in all honesty, the reason that I should pray, the reason that I should read, the reason I should study, uh, give, fast, etc., praise, worship, all this stuff, the reason that I should do these spiritual disciplines is to draw close to God. Because if I'm not close to God, then there's no way I'm going to be walking in the Spirit. There's no way I'm going to be fleeing temptation. There's no way I'm going to be doing any of this other stuff if I'm not close to God. Because everything that I do that's good comes from Him. So how do I expect to be far away from Him and live a godly life? Okay, so if you get one thing from it, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's a huge promise in Scripture.